This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys episode. Sam Lubman here with Joe, the Butcher Boy Chassis. This is episode 58 of the podcast. 58, Shasky. Uh, off the top of your head, do you know who hit the 58th splash hit by a giant at Oracle Park? No. If I gave you the year, would you want to? I'll give you the year you it's want to try and take a stab at it. This was in 2011 when the 58th splash hit was was hit by Aubrey the giant. Close. It was actually Pablo Sandoval hit the oh, 58th wow. uh, splash oh, wow. hit. That was on August 31st, 2011, part of a 4-0 Giants win over the Cubs. It was actually part of a back-to-back set. Jeff Keppinger went deep right before oh, that. When's the last time you heard Jeff Keppinger's name in a conversation? It's uh, been but yeah, a minute. He hit that off of uh, Rodrigo Lopez. Madison Bumgarner was on the mound that night. He went eight innings, allowed two hits, and struck out 11. Like, wow. my God, he just tore up the Cubs that night. Jeff Samarja pitched that night for the Cubs. Uh, he pitched an inning in third and relief for the Cubs that day. But, yeah, we, the reason we are leading off with talking about the 58th splash hit, not because it's the 58th episode, but because on Friday night, Lamont Wade Jr. hit the 100th splash hit by a giant in the history of Oracle Park. And uh, it was it was kind of a cool moment to be able to be there and witness. They, you know, they had a little bit of pomp and circumstance on it. They had some streamers pop out in between innings. And they played a montage of, of all the past splash hit home runs. Uh, Shasky, I don't know if you got a chance to watch Lamont hit that home run at all. It was, it was a cool moment, though, wasn't it? No, it really was. And you look at who's hit, how many home runs, and obviously Bonds is at the top of the list because they only count giant splash hits. It can't hit, you know, uh, it can't bounce in. It has to go in on a fly. There have been some amazing ones. I mean, there really have been. Uh, Lamont Wade doing it. I thought it was poetic against the team that he was on originally. I thought it was really cool. It was a cool moment for him, and I think it's pretty cool. And I think that part of the beauty of AT&T Park, you're probably too young. I remember Barry Bond standing at home plate when they airlifted it, home plate from Candlestick over to AT&T, the site, and Bonds was hitting balls into the bay, and that was supposed to be a novelty. And I think we thought it would happen more often. <laughs> I think I remember that too. The the belief was that, yeah, we're going to see a lot of these things. Like yeah. they're going to rack up so many of these. And yet here we are, you know, in the 24th uh, year of the ballpark, we finally get to number 100. There are some long gaps too. Remember in 2015, they went all year without a splash hit. But it should be like, to me, like, Part of the beauty of the ballpark and baseball is it's difficult, you know, three out yeah, of 10 it's more special. Like, yeah, three out of 10, you're Willie Mays. So if yeah. everyone's hitting it into the water, is it special? No. Yeah, yeah, it kind of does add a little bit like it's a little bit more of a hallowed achievement. You know, you look exactly. at a PNC Park in Pittsburgh. They have a similar situation where, you know, out beyond right field, you can hit into the Allegheny River. Yeah, I hit into there all the time. They don't even keep track of those home runs out oh, there. Really? There is something special about, you know, finally seeing 100. There's something really cool about it. Uh, Lamont Wade, he was talking after the game about, you know, he, he was honored to kind of be, you know, up there with Bonds and really be mentioned with those guys. Um, then he talked about who gets the ball. And I want to play. This is what he said about who should get the ball uh, that he hit. 
I don't know who it goes to, but I, I think personally it should go to me. Uh, um, I would like to keep it. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to have discussions and negotiations about that. But uh, I think I think it should be mine. So not sure her who, but personally, I believe it should be me, which, you know what, I agree with it. I do hope Lamont Wade Jr. does get to keep the ball. But he did say it's going to be going to his mom. That's the plan. So well, mom will be ending up with the ball there. So congratulations to Lamont Wade Jr. on splash it number 100. A very cool moment for, for this organization and for the fan base. Um, do, you another kind- to, do you think we get to 200 by 2040? Well, ugh, depends. I mean, that had... Got to find some more lefty power there to get that going. <laughs> it depends because these 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 dry spells they just kind of come out of nowhere, yes. and so it'll be interesting. It's it's tough. I mean, how long? Imagine Barry Bonds never played for the Giants. I mean, how long would it have taken for them to? Because man, he has thirty five of those things. Yeah, yeah. It was um, one last quick little uh, splash hit nugget. Do you remember who the first non Barry Bonds hitter to get a splash hit was? Oh, it was the guy for the Dodgers in the opening day. Oh, I meant uh, for, oh, the Giants, for, the, I for the Giants. Yeah, for the Giants. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um. Non Ray Durham, close. It was actually Felipe Crespo. Felipe Crespo, I think yeah. number thirty. The only reason I remember that is because I was there for that game. That's one of those moments where it's like I remember exactly where I was standing when I watched it happen because it was the first time they had to change, you know, two numbers on the sign, yes. and the sign broke. So that is great. That's great. <laughs> and, um, now talk about moving on from splash hits to some news that kind of leaked out a little. I don't know if leaked is the right word, but uh, this morning on MLB Network Radio. Jim Bowden tweeted out that Giants president and uh, general manager Farhan Zaidi says that that he envisions this team getting aggressive at the trade deadline. So it's the first we've really kind of heard from Farhan in terms of kind of what the plan is for what the rest of the season will go. Um, I know definitely seeing him around the ballpark, he kind of seems to have a little bit more. His head's a little bit held higher this year, I think, than it was last year. I think he's feeling very good about himself right now. Shasky, I'm kind of curious. When you heard him say, we want to be aggressive at the deadline, what's the first thing that went through your mind? Well, you know, the first thing that went through my mind is this is a good thing, right? That's number one. This is not a bad thing. That means they're in a good position. The National League has a lot of teams kind of jumbled in. So everybody's in the mix. Um, there's layers to this conversation. Number one, we're not sacrificing the future for the now. Like, we've been waiting so long. I don't think the organization is doing that. But they should be shopping for a frontline starter. They absolutely need a frontline starter under team control. I do think there's a log jam in the outfield. I do think they have some pieces that other teams might want, uh, even if it's other teams that are in contention. Like, making a trade at the deadline doesn't necessarily mean we're all in for this year right now. It could be mm-hmm. a, a deal that, like, for example, when they brought in Hunter Pence, yes, they were in for that year right then and there, but also because he had team control for another year after that. So can you get a guy like that who's a pitcher, a bullpen arm, someone like that? Like, I think they need to get creative and, and have some fun here. You heard Will. Wilmer Flores talked about over the weekend, you know, he hasn't played a whole lot. He's been sitting on the bench. I mean, could he be a guy that another team covets combined with someone of these other outfielders to go get you a reliever, considering that it feels like the outfield is stocked now with players with, with Matos tearing it up in the triple a, like, I don't know. I, I think instantly people think you're trading away young people. And I don't believe that to be the case right now. Yeah, I think there's there's almost kind of two directions I think you can maybe take with this. One is I think a more moderate approach, which what I can remind is that the 2009 trade de- trade deadline, the Giants brought in Freddie Sanchez. I think that was the Tim Alderson trade. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was I was pretty excited about that trade because I know Sanchez he was a, he had just won the batting title yep. a couple of years earlier, but like it wasn't a ground shaking trade. No. It wasn't a trade that blew up the uh, that, that blew up the hot stove. 
But I'll be, it did not help them. It didn't help the Giants win much more that year. How key was Freddie Sanchez in that 2010 World Series run, though? It was incredible. So you can make, you know, aggressive can be a trade that maybe is good for this year, but you're more so, yeah, like we said, what does it do for the years beyond that? Kind of like what the Hunter Pence trade was there, too. That was a little bit of a bigger trade. Pence is a bit of a better player. And they ended up getting, you know, a franchise icon out of it, which I don't know if that was the intention when they acquired him. But I think then there's another uh more aggressive way you can look at that here and that is what if the angels really start to fall off in the next two months joe shasky what do you do if they're falling off but shohei otani is tearing things up would you be willing to with the way that luis matos is playing the way marco luciano is playing the way von brown is getting better carson wisenhunt would you be interested in maybe packaging guys up like that and trying to make me get a two-month head start on shohei otani I struggle with the uh, the Otani thing because you have to know on the front end that he's going to sign with you, right? Yeah. I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been waiting and we've been so patient with our 401k for so long <laughs> when it comes to these prospects. I don't want to just like pull it all out to go buy a Ferrari and then wrap it right around the, you know, on, on the second block out of the yeah. gates. Like it, it, you have to know Otani's going to stay here, like to me. So like that's something that I, I can't know on the front end, me personally. The organization can through back channels. It's tantalizing. It's, it's tantalizing. It would be a risk. It would. Seth's thing. It would. It would be a huge risk to do that because yes. on the one hand, you know, let's say it's you know the, with the way these the, the, the Giants prospects are playing right now, they have a lot more capital than they had year. So they could probably swing a major trade. Let's say if your your top three are you know Luciano, Matos, and Harrison. Those are your your golden three prospects right now. The way they're playing right now, you could probably include two of them in a trade and then still keep the third. So maybe it's Matos, Luciano, and others, and you hold on to Kyle Harrison, and then you're able to bring Shohei Otani in. So you're not totally mortgaging a ton of the future there. But the downside is, yeah, if he does not resign, you, yeah, you, you torpedoed your farm system for two months of, you know, a first round playoff exit. Um, so I think then the other, for me personally, I, I would maybe not quite want to jump into the Otani sweepstakes yet. Um, I would like to have my cake and eat it too. I would like to have my farm system. Exactly. Maybe bring that farm system up towards the end of the year. You know, let's get Kyle Harrison up there. Let's get Luis Matos in there. Let's just let these guys get up here and just play. Just go out, have fun, do whatever you need to do in the last two months of the season. Make this team look as attractive as possible. So that way when Otani hits that free agent market, he's looking at the Giants and thinking, well, they have a solid roster now, but you know what? Those guys they called up at the end of the year, they look good. I, they, I might, yeah. I might be interested in playing with them. And so yeah. that you're, you're you, a you little sampler. Yeah, you don't get that two month head start to talk to him, but yeah. you still have you have ways to lure him in. And so mm. I don't think, yeah, it will be interesting to see what Farhan means when he when he means by aggressive. I mean, obviously the team still has to play, you know, to a level where you're willing to make trades to improve the roster. But the fact that he's feeling aggressive, I think is a good sign. But I do think, yeah, there, there might be a little bit of over-aggression risk that the Giants might need to worry about there. Yeah, there's no doubt. And look, everything seems to be going well. Like they're, they're one game under 500. And I'm the happiest I've been as a Giants fan in a long, long time. Like honestly, Sam. And mm-hmm. so I do feel like they're in a really good spot right now. And I think the worst thing that they could do is kind of over-mortgage you know, whatever we hope all of these guys are down the line for the right now. Like, 
we're so close on on turning the corner. I feel like they've turned the corner, even though the roster does still feel old because you're seeing Bailey, you're seeing uh, Schmidt play right now. But man, I I just like where we're at. I don't see this huge necessity to swing a big deal. Yeah, like I feel like you're going to be a destination spot this year and next year. Like I, I just do. Yeah, and I think it kind of goes like what we said. It's like the feel around this team is different this year in part because of the youth. You know, like, the, you know, the Giants lose two of three of the Orioles this weekend. I thought they played two very competitive games Me before too. they kind of fell apart today. But you know what? Like, last year losing two of three to an Orioles team like this, I feel like we'd be kicking ourselves. We'd be grumbling yes. about all the, all the things that are wrong with this team. But after this weekend, it's like, you know what? They struggled against the Orioles this weekend. Orioles are a good team. But – you saw a lot of positive stuff. Casey Schmidt getting that double in the, in the, yep. in the bottom of the ninth inning on, on Friday night, you know, showing that he's still trying to get there and, and fire the crowd up. He's standing on second base, getting the, the crowd into it as a rookie. Um, you know, Patrick Bailey, you're really seeing it with the defense. Like, you're, you're able to take away these positive, these individual positives that kind of offset, you know, overall negatives. And that's just something you didn't have last year. And that, you know, I think it makes it easier to say, yes, we want to be aggressive. Whereas last year... You know, you and I were talking about last year. We said, you know, we don't want the same spiel anymore. We don't want the same thing anymore. This year, you know what? I might be okay with kind of doing the same spiel this year because when you have that that influx of youth that you've seen with this roster, you're allowed to kind of take that stance. Yeah, I, I just I keep coming back to if you're gonna trade something away, it needs to be from a position of power. That's number one. So like they have a lot of outfielders. So is it Slater? Is it, you know what I mean? Slater and something lesser from your farm that's not as highly coveted. Um, packaging multiple things to get me a bullpen arm under team control or a third or fourth, fifth starter. I know they've yeah, got Harrison in the wings. They need another starter. Yeah, an extra starter or yeah, another outfielder or maybe even something more solid at DH because just the more and more I see it, the the platoon of Jock, Jock Peterson and Wilmer Flores at DH, it's 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 doable, but I do think at some point the Giants need to just say, you know what, we need to commit to a full-time DH. I, like I what the agree. Dodgers have with JD Martinez. You just get that guy, that slow lumbering dude who's really only good for hitting, you know, in that DH spot. And just kind of commit to it because when you have these, you know, with, with, with Jock and Wilmer, you kind of have two guys who they can hit. Sure. Jock can't play the field. Wilmer is not a plus defender. He is absolutely a negative defender. And I feel if you can kind of get a way to get a more permanent DH type in there, that gives you an extra fielder to then play with. So you can kind of give yourself a little bit more depth, you know, in that infield. Because right now, yeah, they're looking really good in the outfield. Um, the Yaz Slater center field platoon working i think for the most part mm -hmm. um yeah there's there's small because there's there's not a whole lot of room to operate on this roster right now with this crunch they have coming up but there are definitely ways that yeah trade from position power don't give up too much make a move that helps you this year but i think make a move that helps you this year but more so to help you long next term year. yes yeah. we've waited so long don't pull out money now and buy something recklessly, I guess is the way I would approach it because I just think they're in a really good spot, man. Look at the division. Like Arizona's not going away. This is not about this year, right? The Padres have overspent, and I feel like they're kind of stuck because they've got the Soto thing coming up, and they aren't even getting paid from their TV partners. The Dodgers have some flexibility. The Giants still need to be fiscally responsible, and they need to be even more responsible with this entire farm that they've cultivated that we're now starting to see the branches flourish.